what is the bubbly ideal personality that these casting people are always looking for and Mm. you know some of the models are more quirky like me and I I know that sometimes it can be difficult at castings when they're looking for that really super bubbly personality Mm -hmm. and I've never been that and I think the next big thing is just let's start normalizing being you know Mm -hmm. not super social like not a socialite Welcome to True Colors, a modern beauty podcast that redefines beauty by featuring guests who are challenging the perceptions of modern beauty, breaking the stereotypes of beauty, and the beauty standards set by the mainstream narratives. I'm your host, Yoko, the founder of The Palette, the world's first online beauty community where you can find your kind of beauty. As a modern beauty show, we're talking less about outside features and more about internal features. We're here to celebrate our differences, uniqueness, and just being you. And to remind us how our unique inner qualities, strength, and wisdom make us truly powerful and beautiful inside and out. In this episode, I interviewed Brianna Mariah, a model and an owner of what I consider the world's most inclusive modeling agency, We Speak. If you've seen gorgeous, unconventional models with beauty features like vitiligo, a bionic leg, gender fluid identity, Down syndromes, and more, the chances are you've seen We Speak models. They're on the cover of magazines and ads of brands like Glossier, Sephora, MAC, Target, Tommy Hilfiger, Adidas, and the list goes on. Brianna shares her journey of her modeling career and how she founded and built her business, We Speak, as well as how she is learning to love herself and her personality, which is often seen as quote-unquote weird by the current industry standard. For Brianna's exclusive beauty profiles and a show note for this episode, visit www.thepalette.app. And here's Brianna's story. If you could walk us through your journey, starting your career as a model to, you know, becoming an agency owner, the model agency owner, uh, that would be great. Yeah. So I started modeling in 2008 Mm -hmm. in the Seattle area. Um, I just fell into it. Mm -hmm. I guess it was a secret plot of my mom's that I had become a model one day, which really? I was never aware of. And like I, your, your mom just wanted you to be a model. That was like, yeah, a, she didn't, she never told mm-hmm. she never talked about this at all. But yeah. like, apparently ever since I was like really tiny, she had visions of me being a model. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so a friend at her work was like, mm-hmm. Oh, you should apply your daughter to this agency and I was 15 at the time Mm -hmm. and I went and applied and I had to come back a few times because there was a few moments where I needed to have less baby fat in my cheeks (laughs) or practice my runway walk Mm -hmm. and then eventually they signed me Mm -hmm. so 
that was the start. And how did that modeling go for you? Well, it went well. I will say I things didn't happen right away. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I was going to get signed and like everything was going to start happening and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up doing a lot of the legwork on my own and a lot of like creative shoots I, I would put together on my own. And mm-hmm. I just really fell in love with the craft. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just really loved doing it. Um, there was a moment where I was in Seattle and I was encouraged by one of my clients to go out to New York. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I, well, it's, it's actually kind of a longer story, but (laughs) I had applied to, Mm -hmm. um, top model and had a call back and I deferred my enrollment to college actually. And then I ended up not going to college at all, but I already had my associate's degree. Mm-hmm. And instead, I moved to New York to pursue modeling. Wow. And you were, how old were you when you were in New York City for as a model? 20. Okay. So you've been in the modeling for five years then. And so how, how was that? What was that like as a model? Like, I, I'm in New York City and I see a lot of really slender, beautiful people on the streets. <laughs> and I'm like, I, yep, I know that he's a model, she's a model. And so like, but yeah, what is, what's a life like as a, a New York City model? Um, well, there's, there's variations of it. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's the lucky few that actually book a lot of work. And I unfortunately wasn't one of those people that was like, making a full time income from just modeling jobs. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of hair modeling, um, which kind of was just me allowing uh, top hair creatives to do whatever they wanted to my head Mm -hmm. and getting paid a lot of great money for it. But, you know, you can only do that once every so often. Mm -hmm. And some of the culture was like, there was a lot of stuff where models would be in model houses and have to go to the clubs just Mm -hmm. to like hang out and dance um in exchange for having like living spaces Mm -hmm. kind of like this underground thing almost that you don't really think about but all of the models know about it um yeah it was something that I actually did for a little while but I wasn't in a model house I was just getting paid and it sounds super sketchy but it but it isn't (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. It was just like literally hanging out with friends at the club. But okay, yeah, interesting. And I, I mean, I heard a little bit about you kind of like struggling as a model. Like, could you walk us through that um, sort of modeling, like you know, and the body image struggle that you had? Yeah. So when I moved to New York. I had this expectation in my head that I knew I was going to have to go out and lose weight and Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it in a healthy way. But when I moved, I went hardcore, like calorie counting and speed walking. My agents wouldn't let me run. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I'd be running around all day mm-hmm. going to castings and then I would be like not eating enough food mm-hmm. at all. And then I'd get home and then I'd do like a hundred sit-ups and then I would walk for an hour and I was just like running my body to the ground and Mm -hmm. I had lost two inches around my waist when I first moved just like within the first two weeks and my agents were like whatever you're doing you should tell this model what you're doing and (laughs) it was just like such an awkward moment and just like really highlighting what goes on behind the scenes and yeah, that's not even like the worst of it. Like I'd never experienced the worst of the industry, to mm-hmm. be honest. Like I, I had a rough time. It wasn't great. And I was bullied mm-hmm. and I wasn't paid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there were a lot worse things happening around me. Wow. And how was your body image before becoming a model versus like after becoming a model? Before I started modeling, I never really thought about my body and I really appreciate that somehow my mom was able to like raise me in that way I really didn't look at myself in the mirror and go oh I'm really pretty or oh I'm really ugly I never really Mm -hmm. thought about that until Mm -hmm. I did start modeling and Mm -hmm. at that point that's when my imposter syndrome really set in because I never felt skinny enough I never felt like my arm, my arms or my legs were like as thin as the other models. I'm built differently than, you know, somebody who's naturally a size zero. And yeah, so it really, it really did affect my, my body image. And it Mm -hmm. took me years to overcome that. And to be honest, I don't think I'll ever fully be recovered. Wow. And that feeling that you're not good enough, like you're not thin enough or you're not this enough and that enough. And that became sort of like your own like self-narratives kind of. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I mean, was that like the, the sort of that that's what they would tell you at, as a like a. I don't know, whoever is in in charge of like... I don't think I was ever told that specifically, but I just never felt good enough. And, you know, like having certain measurements, it's almost like something that I was pressuring myself into as well. Um, Wow. But... Yeah, but like was that... It came... It became your own sort of like expectations because whoever had smaller size was like promoted or gotten more yeah well so it's like really just the culture too because when you're going to a casting and you're surrounded by a million other Mm -hmm. people who are thinner and prettier than you it's really intimidating and honestly if I had known I could just be myself and Mm -hmm. if I had no if I hadn't been 15 too if I had known myself the way that I do Mm -hmm. now I might have been way more successful because I was like I'm already kind of a reserved person. So just those Mm -hmm. feelings going into the castings and being expected to be this specific personality type that's, you know, they're Mm -hmm. always asking for lots of personality. What does that even mean? You know? Mm -hmm. And when Mm -hmm. you go into this casting situation, I just, I kind of probably clammed up during most of them and I would get nervous and, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, I didn't thrive the way that I might have if I had actually truly been myself and mm-hmm. embraced all of myself. Wow. And and how do you how are you feeling about your own like body image right now? Are you still sort of you said you're never gonna like fully recover from that sort of experience, but are you do you you know feel insecure? I mean you were gorgeous, by the way, <laughs> as a model and as a person, but yeah, tell us about how you're feeling about your current body image if you I don't think anyone is truly like mm-hmm. ever fully okay with their selves. I feel like that's an mm-hmm. impossibility and just embracing yourself the way you are is important mm-hmm. and possible. But at the same time, there's always, I mean, this is like vague generalization, but for me, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's something where I kind of just don't think about myself Mm -hmm. anymore and that's also probably plays into me just receding into the into the background where I don't really some some days I don't want to look at myself and some days Mm -hmm. I'm fine um Mm -hmm. and my my coping mechanism can often be just not to look at myself or I'll do a photo shoot and force myself to like glam up and look pretty but right yeah I remember you telling Mm -hmm. me about that sometimes you go into the photo shoot just to make you feel kind of better to feel like oh I'm still there so so that still happens like you feel like your your image and identity is part it's on the photography or as a model yeah it's really tied into Mm -hmm. all of that because yeah day to day I don't look like that because I don't I don't do myself up I don't I'm not in Mm -hmm. great lighting all of the time and you know only looking at certain angles of myself so when I do a photo shoot for example like I the last one I did was in February and I love those images and they like really embody me but -hmm. at the same time like obviously the lighting is perfect and Mm -hmm. I had like a ton of blush on that was like contouring. Um, Yeah. 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 And it's just like, it, it's almost detrimental to my journey of self-love just because it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm looking at a picture that's, that's not what I look like right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did a lot of digging, just kind of, you know, looking for other agencies like yours, like throughout different um, like globally and I really couldn't find anything like yours <laughs> and so you know I'm just thinking wow that really if you founded that kind of company you must have a you know a really high self-esteem so would you be able to tell us about your journey to starting We Speak it's it's definitely a journey. It's always a journey, like loving yourself and owning your own confidence. And it's something mm-hmm. where you don't have to love looking in the mirror a hundred percent of the time. Like that's just for me. That's just not mm-hmm. something that's a focus. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, starting we speak was really born out of the idea of protecting models and. 
taking care of them instead of the way that I felt when I was signed with agencies. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to not only do that, but also blend the worlds of the quote unquote straight sized and plus sized worlds and just celebrate mm-hmm. everyone as they are rather than mm-hmm. putting people into boxes. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, that's how We Speak was born. And it was because I didn't have strong connections yet when I was starting. I was mm-hmm. really starting the agency from scratch. So it took a long time to really build that momentum up. Mm-hmm. You had, I mean, you were a model. You were already in the modeling uh, industry, but you didn't really have that connection as an agency to thrive in that industry. So you basically like, started from zero and mm-hmm. then just built up. So you founded We Speak in 2013, right? Yeah. And why inclusivity? I'm just curious in terms of why you chose this angle to have a very diverse um, and inclusive modeling agency in 2013 was there any sort of events that you had or or was there any like events that inspired you to 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 build that kind of agency I mean it was really my my own personal journey Mm -hmm. and hardships Mm -hmm. that I experienced that pushed me to build we speak and Mm -hmm. it it grew more and more inclusive as I went I see. So Mm -hmm. it it was, first of all, I just wanted to sign people that embodied my, my values and embodied the mission. And the mission has always been the same to, you know, promote people, everyone, Mm -hmm. promote everyone as they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went ahead and I was going to sign anyone and everyone. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people, of all different backgrounds can be high fashion. They don't have to be a certain way to be successful. And obviously in, in 2013, I was, I was just getting started. Actually the idea started in 2013 and I incorporated in 2014, but Mm -hmm. it didn't Mm -hmm. start getting really successful until a few years later. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, like, was there any company looking for, you know, a plus size model? I guess there were maybe some now that I, you know, not that I'm like super uh, versed in this industry or anything like that. But I know that there were a couple of like, you know, plus size models here and there. But, you know, now it's so much more different, you know, in 2013 and 14, that was like, like sort of like the beginning of that wave maybe yeah I think that's when the the plus size industry was starting to take off and Mm -hmm. because I was just starting we speak I wasn't like super aware of what's going on and Mm -hmm. my my growth with we speak has kind of been like intertwined so as I gained more and more contacts I Mm -hmm. I only saw growth so I I didn't really see what we speak could have been at its full capacity Mm -hmm when I first started, but Mm -hmm. I will say that 
curve modeling was starting to take off in that time. And one of mm. the, one of the critiques when I started, we speak was that, well, you know, curve modeling is already a thing. Like there's already agencies doing that. So mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. not really a niche there. There's not really room for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what did you, what was, what did you respond to that? And did you, I mean, it wasn't just the curve models that you had, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my point was that, okay, maybe there are curve divisions and curve mm-hmm. models and agencies, but there's no one doing what I have in mind. There's no one doing mm-hmm. this. And as we speak grew, it became its own niche. And I think that that filled a gap. And mm-hmm. because of the growth we speak has had over the years, we speak is mm-hmm. sort of leading that vision in a way. Yeah. And I feel like I'm always signing people like ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be difficult just because being ahead of the curve means that the work has yet to come. Mm-hmm. I guess, when did you start sort of like getting bookings by like big brands? I see your um, clientele's like are very, you know, big brands, but mm-hmm. yeah. What was that like when the market started to shift and you were sort of like the initiator of that whole sort of wave? And um, yeah, what was what was that like? So I will say I, I'll go on a little bit of a bird walk because when I started mm-hmm. We Speak, it's always been like my my motto was sort of fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And So I would have to know things that I didn't already know, just like usage terms and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. so when brands would reach out to me, I remember the first big brand that had reached out to me, I was Mm -hmm. so excited. And I think it was in 2017, honestly. And I had to just kind of fake it and pretend like, oh, this is a normal everyday thing. I'm already getting requests from these other brands as well. Um, I assumed that that stuff was already going on around me, like the inclusive casting. And Mm -hmm. it kind of goes hand in hand with my fake it till you make it. I like, I didn't really know what was going on because I was just like taking it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, really happy and in 2017 when things really started getting going it was it was really Mm -hmm. exciting I do have questions about the models that you represent Mm -hmm. so maybe we can shift into the sort of like the model casting um related questions but when you look for a model what what is the process like for scouting or casting um models so when we scout it will either be through the website submissions or sometimes through instagram and what we really Mm -hmm. look for is people who share the same values 
um, mm -hmm. people who have a positive outlook and are also passionate for changing the narrative around traditional mm -hmm. standards mm -hmm. because those qualities really resonate within the whole We Speak family. Mm -hmm. And then other than that, in terms of like what we look for, it's really just on a case by case basis, people who don't fit the norm necessarily mm -hmm. and people who we can see, you know, yeah, being placed with these brands. Yeah. And do you like you said, like Instagram is one of the the ways to scout people like you actually do like hashtag searches and stuff like that and find people that way we might not actually we have a hashtag called hashtag we speak this is me um mm -hmm. the we speak account follows it mm -hmm. but we don't actively look under hashtags mm -hmm. um most of the time just because we're usually so busy with emails it'll be mm -hmm. just perusing right. through um mm -hmm. the submissions through the site mm -hmm. and when you go through so let's say you've um you know gotten the submission from the website or through the email and and then if you like the model you call in for like a test shoot Well, normally pre-COVID, we would email mm -hmm. the model and set up a set up a go see, and mm -hmm. that would be in a studio with lots of great natural light. And then we would mm -hmm. uh, shoot the model for digitals, right. um, mm -hmm. and those digitals would be used on the site. Um, in terms yeah. of actual test shoots, we have photographers that we recommend for people. But I see, I see. So like, but what, what is that shooting like when, and, and do most of the people that apply to We Speak Modeling is the, are they like experienced models or, and if, you know, if they don't have a lot of experience, then what are their first sort of photo shoot session like as, as a, like a test photo shoot? They're not always experienced. It's really case mm -hmm. by case. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I prefer not to send a model to a, a test shoot that they have to pay for unless they have a little bit of experience so that we know that those photos are going to be good. Sometimes mm -hmm. if the model is just brand, brand new, that might not be worth, you know, paying for a shoot yet. And sometimes mm -hmm. it'll be something where I would encourage the model to either practice at home with a friend, even on an iPhone camera. And mm. also I encourage models to seek out photographers through Instagram mm -hmm. um, and just test shoot a little bit here and there with people, friends, whatever. And mm -hmm. then normally I have a list that I refer to that have really high quality imagery that we can use for their portfolio. Mm -hmm. Um Some models take to it really quickly and some don't. And it's all just, it just depends. Yeah. So it really depends on the person to person and, and some are comfortable. Some are still like sort of learning and yeah. And so like, um, and when I mean, when I meant by te test shooting, it's like, I meant like the studio shooting where do you actually go to the studio with a model 
and then try and see if the model um, is doing great, you know, posing. Uh, typically, like when we first meet with the model, we'll, we'll meet them. It'll be really a quick meeting, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would probably spend a few minutes on taking a few digitals and it would be something where I would get various angles and some headshots and also encourage Mm -hmm. the model to kind of be free as well and just loosen up and do whatever they want in front of the camera and Mm -hmm. I remember one of the models who who signed his name is Vernon he he was like oh is it okay if I if I do this and he was like bending down on his on his feet and mm-hmm. doing this cool pose and it doesn't usually work for digitals but he made it like mm-hmm. really awesome <laughs> and that's just really seeing cool. that personality and seeing smiles is what we really like yeah yeah that's great and so kind of like going back to what we were talking about for your we speak journey and you know in the very beginning um i I I read, you know, on your website, there was some opposition in the early phase. Um, what kind of opposition did you face? Yeah, like I said earlier, it was really mm-hmm. like this, this, there's no niche for you. There's the people are already doing this. There's already curved models, like you can't compete with that. And then mm. the other thing that I had feedback on was just the board is too all over the place and there's just Mm -hmm. like too much going on. Like there's no rhyme or reason to the models. And Mm -hmm. I took that critique a little personally, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's the whole point of we speak Mm -hmm. is to not box people in and make them like, you don't want a board full of people that all look the same. Like that's the problem with the industry. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's a cookie cutter thing. And then I think the other part of it is just handling rejection in that, not even rejection, but just not uh, being fully respected yet or being replied to or, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. just having to earn the respect of the people who kind of do the casting and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's that's yeah. always going to be an uphill battle as we continue on into Mm -hmm. other realms of high fashion Mm -hmm. but it's changing yeah Yeah, so I wanted to to hear hear what you think of like the current beauty standards are like you know in the traditional media what what do you think the standard of beauty is represented now and you know over the course of the years how did the standard in your opinion has changed well all I see is we speak for the most part and we speak (laughs) is amazing and like what they're doing um Mm -hmm. I see their campaigns and I'm like yes you are doing the right thing especially in the commercial realms Mm -hmm. um and right now obviously like tokenism is a real big issue and a big topic that we're Mm -hmm. finally really driving home the point that like this is what you do to combat tokenism and performance. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to higher fashion, it still has a little bit way, a little more ways to go for high fashion, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, I think it's getting there. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I see, you know, some um, some unconventional models on catwalks, you know, for New York Fashion Week. And um, I, I'm definitely seeing the sort of shift happening. Yeah. But what do the brands, so like, do they come to you asking for help for that diversity um, advice? And you mentioned tokenism, and that's a huge, huge issue but yeah how do you how do you educate them or you know how do, how do the brands usually approach you well it was really hard because I didn't really know how to address tokenism because I also mm-hmm. didn't fully understand it honestly until just mm-hmm. recently and mm-hmm. being able to combat tokenism has always been extremely important to me um, I will say that we speak just launched a pledge on tokenism Mm -hmm. on sustainability in the industry and there's also a bit about covid but everyone's you know really on top of that Mm -hmm. i i will say that the pledge has really opened up these conversations a lot and just this moment in history as well has opened up Mm -hmm. these really important conversations and has emboldened me because sometimes it's hard to Again, if you're faking it till you make it, you don't really know how much power you truly have. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. just this moment in time has given me the confidence to hold space in the industry and really start doing that hard legwork. So I would say brands do come to We Speak and often it's for quote unquote real people, which is sometimes frustrating just because that's not necessarily what we're about. Yes, mm-hmm. we represent real people. All models are real people, first of all, but also, you know, our models are way more dynamic than just that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, it's something that I am starting to open up those conversations and mm-hmm. I'm, seeing, I'm seeing some progress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what are the moments that you're like, you love doing this business? Oh, um, really, the models keep me going. They've always yeah. kept me going. And mm-hmm. it's so rewarding just to hear encouragement from my models. And mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't solicit it. And I'm not like, I, I don't want to solicit that, but yeah, I I do maybe save all of the sweet texts I get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's it, I mean, it, you know, I feel the sort of sense of family from you and your website. Just I mean, yeah. you know, I, I can see that you're just there's a warmth to the sort of people that you work with and it's it's that's very nice um yeah and just going back to what you were saying the real people part I you know I completely understand from a brand's perspective right like that's Mm -hmm. a that's a sort of almost like a buzzword and yeah and yeah and so I get that but it's like yeah you're more than that it's you know it's it's being human it's like you know of course we're real Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that like family feeling, that closeness and connect- 
connectedness that just yeah that that and that's what you do you know when I saw uh Jasmine Spectrum Beauty's imageries like I felt like I connected with the models and the, the world view you know that the brand represented so yeah it's really the connection that you know, I think that you're creating um, and those models are voicing and, and you know, messaging. And um, I, I will say I get a lot of breakdowns every day and it's not always the brands that are saying like the real people thing. And that's that's just a small part of it. And I will oh, yeah. say mm-hmm. super, super shout out to Jasmine because she's super authentic and she's one of the most amazing yes. people in the industry I know. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could meet like all of you in person um because Aww. you know I, I think you're you're just all amazing people um but, but yeah it's you know when I saw when I heard about you through Jasmine I was like wow there are some people that are working on this issue you know and the standard of beauty in the media and how the beauty is represented in the media is it's just so unattainable and you know but here there are there is you know people like you and Jasmine that are voicing that look this is not the world that we live in (laughs) you know and so that was uh that's very encouraging and inspiring um so moving on to the next topic which we sort of in the in our podcast this is like a theme you know and the podcast is called true colors because we talk about sort of living true to yourself and just being you and what that means to be you. And so the next question is going to be a little bit like sort of hard maybe for some people because it's like a, a sort of deep question. It's almost like a philosophical question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you can bear with me, that would be great. But um, yeah, one of the questions I always ask our guests is that what do you think, uh, you know, what do you think makes you a person that you are now? Oh man. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know it's it's a I will say it's a philosophical one. And mm-hmm. I I will hear it later if I do not mention my mother because she's my best friend and Aww. she does yeah. make me who I am. I give her a ton of credit to myself, maybe more than she should get just because like part of it is just who I am mm-hmm. as a person, but Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still learning who I am, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm still learning mm-hmm. about myself, but my my mom really, she did a good job raising me, mm-hmm. and I re- I admire her. And she was actually 17 when she had me, just barely 17. Wow! And I really, really admire her for yeah. how she pulled through. That's that's hard. I mean, I have a 18 month old. And having a baby, it just like completely shifted the image of what motherhood is mm. about. And it's so, it's so much work, so much mm-hmm. commitment and energy and, uh, and, you know, but yeah. And when I saw your Instagram and the posts that you wrote on Instagram, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um you know, you had this personal note about being weird is what it takes. So I would love to learn more about that, what you mean by that, 
and sort of being you. Yeah. If- this, this pandemic has been interesting for my own personal growth and journey because when everything started, I, mm-hmm. I was worried about the company, but I wasn't terribly worried. Um, but when mm-hmm. quarantine set in and there was really literally no work at all, I spent a lot of time with myself and it was a struggle, but at the same time, like I found ways to, I started writing again, writing on a novel I'm working on. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot in the time that between COVID and quarantine stopped all of the work and the time where the work started. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot in that tiny bit of time about myself mm-hmm. and how much of a workaholic I am. <laughs> but <laughs> really mm-hmm. part of this journey is just accepting me for who I am and my personality. And I mentioned like, what is the bubbly ideal personality that these casting people are always looking for? And, mm. you know, some of the models are more quirky like me and, I I know that sometimes it can be difficult at castings when they're looking for that really super bubbly personality. Mm-hmm. And I've never been that. And I think the next big thing is just let's start normalizing being, you know, mm-hmm. not super social, like not a socialite. And mm-hmm. I use the, the term weirdo just because... I, I feel quirky most of the time and I, mm-hmm. I'm different. I deviate from the norm in this industry and I've had moments where I'm meeting with people and I don't fully feel like I fit in, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to put on my face. I'm going to put on my confidence. It's like an armor and mm-hmm. just do it anyways. But it's, it should be okay. It should be normalized to be, different and feel different and not feel like that bubbly personality. Mm -hmm. When I read your note about, you know, it's the game changers being quirky and how, you know, weirdos are sort of like the new, it's like being weird is like a new sexy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's that, normalized enough to be like the the thing, but we we need to I feel like we need to start talking about it the way that we start talking about beauty and body positivity. Mhm. Yeah. That just sort of being different is okay and that's that's actually a unique and you know being different and being unique is a strength yeah and yeah and it can be hard to accept that in like a social world right yeah so and you know a lot of right and a lot of people think that being weird is weird and oh let's not you know hang out with her mm-hmm. and that just becomes like a negative thing yeah or being diff- being different is also a negative thing yeah yeah yeah, and I guess it maybe it's highlighted in my industry just because I'm I'm meeting with people that are more of a social, you know, mm-hmm. personality. If I were somebody with who who can just surround herself with people that are very similar to me, which I don't mm-hmm. have that, but 
it, it could be a little bit more normal. But yeah, just mm-hmm. I think that part of my insecurity comes from that too, when I'm in this industry trying to be this person and mm-hmm. trying to be this upbeat person that knows what she's doing all of the time. It, mm-hmm. it can be hard in the industry, I feel like highlights that part of me. And so it makes it harder to overcome. But just, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm more fully coming into myself. And mm-hmm. just just vocalizing it makes it more real, just like speaking about it, which is why I made that post. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, so yeah, that's I love, I love the post. I was like, yes, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's been on I my love, mind I love for, for mm-hmm. a while, just being able to overcome right. that feeling and just accept me as I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And what do you do to, like, keep yourself centered in a way? Like, you know you mentioned that you're trying to overcome and embrace yourself as you are. And what do you, what do you do to kind of like help you do that? Well, that post was, you know, a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. always a journey. So being like vocalizing, like, it helps. Like talking about it. Make, and then... Like making it normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I love this. And, um, what would you tell your younger self? Hmm. My younger self was just fine. It's my older self that has the issue. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I I was an oblivious child. So like, I kind of just went Mm -hmm. around through life without any worries. (laughs) I mean, I I had those like, have you seen that meme where it's like, uh eight-year-old me singing this uh what's the band like whatever band it is and it's like this Mm -hmm. girl like laying down by the pool like so sad (laughs) like we were all angsty as as kids and I I had that too but the reasoning behind it was like what I have like (laughs) a few crushes on boys and they don't like me back or something like Mm -hmm. So would the would your younger self tell if your, your younger <laughs> self was to tell you <laughs> something to your older self, what what would that be? Yeah, I think my life is backwards. <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. Maybe relax. <laughs> <laughs> stop thinking so hard right yeah it's really interesting I've actually never thought of that before but that's actually a really interesting way to like think about it like what am I missing that I had before or right what would yeah what would that yeah giddy kid I I understand (laughs) that a lot of kids can have like a hard Mm -hmm. childhood and stuff and I think mine could have been but I'm just I've always been kind of slightly oblivious to my surroundings Mm -hmm. um yeah so I didn't really have too much struggle even if maybe I could have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great and the last question is what does beauty mean to you beauty is self-acceptance yeah I like that yeah 
it's not anything about the appearance or anything like that. No, just just self-acceptance and letting your true self mm-hmm. be. Oh, I love this conversation. <laughs> Thank you Me so too. much. And um, yeah, these are really hard questions. They're not like everyday kind of like questions that you ask yourself, you know, and um, but I do believe that these conversations are something that is um, needed and and exactly what you said about voicing yourself and just putting your messages out there and and you know starting that dialogue and so um yeah i really i think that there are so many great messages and inspirations um and words of wisdoms from this conversation so thank you so much um for joining but before I let you go, though, I got to, like, ask you, I know that you're writing a book right now. So, um, but, yeah, what's what's coming up next for We Speak or your book or, um, yeah, what are you working on next? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, We Speak is going to take over the industry, number one. Yes. <laughs> number two. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I just finished draft zero of my dystopian sci-fi novel, which has a wow. long ways to go until it's readable. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Mm-hmm. Me too. And uh, dystopian, you said, so it's like Black Mirror kind of yeah, sci-fi. A little, yeah, a little bit. Not too Black Mirror, but more yeah, like, yeah. Mm, I, I don't know what to compare it to, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. I would love to learn when the book is out. Me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And lastly, where can listeners find you? Yeah, so I have a personal Instagram uh, mm-hmm. at Brianna Mariah. Okay. <clears throat> great. So we can just follow you on the Instagram? Yeah, at Brianna Mariah and then at We Speak Models. Um, if anyone else is interested in submitting for becoming a model, mm-hmm. it's best if they apply on the website and there's a become a model page. Okay. And that's just wespeakmodels.com. That's great. Um, again, thank you so much for joining me and yeah, we'll be, we'll be looking out for what's to come next. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you.